1: Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only, tees from four ninety-nine, dollars logo styles from sixteen ninety-nine, and jeans from nineteen ninety-nine. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dynasty Tradecast. As almost never, I am your host, Dan Sanio. Uh, unfortunately, Eric couldn't be here with us tonight, but... I am here with some might call him my best online friend and potentially real life friend. I don't know. Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan, how are we doing tonight?
1: I'm I'm doing well, Dan. Uh, I mean, I didn't know our relationship was going to that level, but, you know, I I appreciate the the friendship and the love Uh, uh, because you came back. I don't need the shrine anymore that I I retired the (laughs) shrine. Um, I hope I don't have to get an Eric shrine out, but, you know, I, I don't have any hair to pluck from his head, though. Wow.
2: Ouch. Not even here to defend himself. That is a bit aggressive. Hopefully he's shining that thing in his room somewhere. Uh <laughs> All right, so we uh, absolutely have a show lined up for you, and it should be a good time. And don't worry, it's not.
1: The Gap Factory Labor Day Sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season: forty to seventy-five percent off everything, plus doorbusters August thirtieth through September second only. Tees from four ninety-nine, logo styles from sixteen ninety-nine, and jeans from nineteen ninety-nine. Shop in store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
2: Just Nathan and I. We do have a guest, and we are pretty darn sure this is the first of its kind. To exist. Uh, As you all may have heard in the past, um, I was fortunate enough to win the Scott Fish Bowl SFB7. If you didn't know that, well, welcome. And uh, I may say it a few times this episode, but now it's not quite as prevalent because we have the SFB8, the Scott Fish Bowl 8 champion with us tonight, Mr. Sam Lane on Twitter at FFStompy. Sam, what is going on? What's going on, boys? Congratulations! I'm ha- happy that we could do this. This is uh, the first of its kind
3: that we're aware of. We asked Scott. I think I think this is it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I I, I like to call myself the universal SFB8 champion. I'm the best fantasy footballer in the universe. <laughs> I like
2: that. I like. That. I don't know that I went to that step, but I can appreciate it. I can appreciate. It. Nathan, <laughs> um, we talked about it pre-show, but. I, I, sam and i have both won one of these have you um have you won one of these uh,
1: i have not but i've met scott fish and either of you, you guys have so there you go
2: oh there is that i did bail on a dinner with scott fish a couple of years ago so that was my bad um <laughs> and you live in the same city
1: or whatever you know state <laughs>
2: i know I, I've, yeah that's that's on me uh so yes we have sam here with us um Sam, you might have heard that sultry voice on a couple of other podcasts, the Superflex show, uh, Dynasty Diagnostics pod. And Sam, you do a lot of work at uh, ffstatistics.com. Is that right?
3: Yes, sir. Just joined them basically full time uh, a few months ago. so Awesome. Well, congrats on that as well. Thank you.
1: All righty. Today, we're going to be uh, talking a little bit of startup action. You know, startup drafts are, are getting getting going. MFL's rolled over. start about to enter March. We're prime startup territory. But before we start the show, as a little podcast listener, you get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass for the 2019 season. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, roto slash podcast. 2019 season is around the corner. Make sure you're ready. Gain limited access to all our NFL content and tools so you get amazing value and support in the podcast network. Once again, that's roto slash podcast. And make sure you also check out all of Rotoviz's other content. Um, I believe our friend uh, TJ Calkins, has also launched his own uh, MMA content with uh, Rotavis. So make sure to check that out if you're looking to do some M- M- MMA D- DFS. So a little bonus ad in there for you, Rotavis. Wow, look at
2: that. Nathan hitting it on all cylinders. So as you mentioned, we are going to do startup strategy, startup talk, followed by some, uh, some listener questions after the fact. So, Nathan, why don't we just dive right in? Let's let's start from the very,
1: very, very top with our startup strategies. All right. And just to preface this, I know people say, oh, auctions are king, auction. Da, da, da. We'll have an auction episode. There's plenty of time in the offseason to talk auction. For today, we're talking about startups. We're talking about snake startups. And so, what's the first part of doing a snake startup? You got to pick a draft spot, boys and girls. A lot of times that's determined by, you know, uh, one of my leagues did draft spots via the Fish Playoff League. Some people do it by horse races. Some people do it by, you know, all types of random stuff, especially home leagues can get a little bit more creative with it. Um, but a lot of the times it ends up just being a randomizer that decides the draft order for the, the draft order draft. Um, but – to just to get into the nitty gritty of what your thoughts are on where you want to be picking in, in a startup, uh, Sam, for your, your 2019 startups, uh, if you, let's say you have the first pick, where are you targeting in your, what, what pick would you like to uh, go after with your uh, first pick?
3: Uh, I always aim for the middle of the rounds just because then I don't have to wait 24 picks. I can get a guy every 12, 13 picks. And, and it might be, I don't know, a little, I guess, dumb strategy. Um, But at the same time, like I just, I get so impatient. (laughs) I would rather be picking every 12 picks than every, every 24.
2: That's very true. Patience, patience uh, can be really, really tough, especially when you're all giddy about a new startup. You just want to get into the draft and get it going and you don't want to have to wait a super long time. So when I'm in that stage, when I'm, you know, if I've like, I just have the startup fever, Um, then I'll, yeah, I'll try to find myself in the middle as well. But if I'm, if I'm trying to be a little more strategic and I'm a little more worried about my competition, I try to find somewhere close to the turn in between 10 and 12. Um, it's a lot easier to, to, I think, build your rosters that way and kind of stack at the end. Um, you know, going one in 24, two and 23, that's that's for me a little bit tough again because of the big wait time um, at the very beginning of the draft. Yeah, oh awesome! I have Saquon Barkley, but now I have to wait like three days until it gets back to me in the slow email draft because the person picking at nine decided not to pre-draft, and <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm screwed. So um, I, I think I think picking at the corner um, is ideal. It, you can optimize getting two high end assets um, right away. Or, you know, it's those to me, I've had better luck trading. Um, I think if there's somebody that's starting to slide a little bit, no matter what round it is and which turn you're at, if there's somebody that's starting to slide, I, I've found it really, really easy to move off of those spots and only have to move back a few and gain some extra um, some extra stuff in the back end too. So I think, I think picking on a corner has tons of advantages. Uh, I just like it because it's easier to get, especially up front, more talent right away.
1: Yeah, I, I think the one uh, advantage, or one of the advantages, to picking towards the end of the round is that, particularly at, towards the beginning of the startup, the tiers can tend to have larger drops between. You know, there might be your tenth best player, your eleventh best player has a large tier break, and then your fourteenth best player and your seventeenth best player has a large tier break, and so you basically are trying to avoid hitting that large, larger tier break with the talent. So if you if you get the 10th pick and the 14th pick or the 11th pick and the, and the 13th pick or whatever it may, may be, then I think that you're putting yourself in a position to get two legitimately you know, top players, obviously top 15, top 16 players. Um, whereas I think that most years there is a, a bit of a drop off in talent once you get to that 20 to 24 range. And like, like you said, Dan, I, I do think that because of that, Um, those picks become a little bit more attractive in a trade. So if you want to, you know, gain some capital in in later rounds, then you can trade down from like 14 to 24 and pick up some nice capital.
3: I will say this. um, So for me, like I can let, just purely based off of values right now, you could probably pair up like a guy like Alvin Kamara with a Dalvin cook or something like that. And I'd be okay with that start picking and talking about picking in the middle of these rounds and, and you're absolutely right. These these tier cliffs kind of come up on you um, pretty early. Um, so, But for me, after that is where I like the value towards the middle of those rounds. Because, yes, you can get two of those elite – well, we'll call them elite players at the, uh, let's say, uh, 12, 13 turn, um, 11, 14. But um, then you have to wait another 24 picks. And I feel like the cliff from – uh, let's just say the 13th pick to the and like 36th pick, it's not 30, yeah, it is 36th pick, is a lot larger, obviously, than that from, let's say, the 18th to the 24th pick, or, or sorry, the 18th through to like the 30th pick. So that's kind of my argument is that I still feel like I'm getting very good players at like the middle of the second round. Um, and then I continue to get decent players, middle third, middle fourth as well.
2: I agree. I think I think that's the best way, uh, and we'll it will hit a little bit more on this further down the line. But I think that's the best way to get really, really balanced and not be too too top heavy. Uh, even though we're talking about you know twelve, thirteen picks in between guys, that way it just always seems to get a more balanced roster. It it maybe not may not result in the most high end, or it may not you know result in in whatever it is that you're looking to do within your draft, but it's it's hard to screw up something from the middle of the pack right there because you're not really having to reach for anybody um the guys just kind of always fall in line which is really really nice um and nathan spoke about tier tier breaks uh within you know some of these groups from your elite tier to your you know second tier whatever however you want to do it i think it's really wise to build yourself some sort of ranking or you know take adp and kind of pick it apart and move guys around to where you would kind of be comfortable uh, taking them and work with that as well alongside, you know, how the draft is going, because you do kind of have to, you kind of have to work with what's, what's happening around you. So if, if all of a sudden you have a big QB run, well you're probably going to have values other places and, and, you know, hitting runs and stuff like that is it's, it can be scary. You can watch, you know 11 wide receivers go off the board out of the way and you started off running back running back running back and now all of a sudden you're in a panic you don't know if you're going to get a top 36 wide receiver uh something crazy like that so i think it's it's wise to have something to work off of when you're when you're worried about some of those tier breaks wherever your picks may fall um so kind of keeping an eye on on where where everything is i think is smart
1: all righty, let's move on to our next topic. And it's just going to be a little little general strategy. Talk. I think most of us know uh, Dan and I's startup strategy, but we can get into Sam's and, and just discuss it as well. But when it comes to a startup, there's really three lines of thinking. And obviously, it's, it's, it's kind of simplifying it more than it needs to be. But we're going to do it anyways. We have the punters, the guys who punt year one and trying to build for the future years, two, three, four, and on. We have the all in guys, the guys that are focused on uh, year one and maybe the first couple of years of, of the league saying, okay, I want to try and make the playoffs dominate early on in, in the existence of this league while sacrificing the future of my team. And then there's the balance, something, some, somewhere in between where you're, you're not, you're not trading all your future picks and you're not, uh, you know, acquiring all the future picks. It's just somewhere in the middle. You're just drafting, you know, some young guys, some, some, uh, you know, veterans uh, Sam, what is your general approach to dynasty startups?
3: Ooh, um, I think the third one that you mentioned. I I'm more of a trade back guy. Then um, this is a shout out to the founder of FF Statistics, Addison Hayes, who hates trading back. Uh, but I yeah I I'm trying to. <laughs> I, I guess I try and balance it where I don't mind if I miss out on like those that those first round of guys, those elite guys. But uh, if I can get decent amount of players in the top 50 in the top 100 i feel like i have a I, I have a good shot at winning now and into the future so i always like trading back so i can get as many players as possible as many picks as possible in that top 50 in that top 100 to compete now and into the future
2: yeah i think you know uh, balanced is is probably ideal in the sense that you're you're not you're not committed one way or the other, and then maybe have to restart in year two or year three if you're going all in, or if you're punting and going for youth and upside. Well, now some of those guys don't hit that you spent, you know, top fifty, top sixty picks on, and again, you're you're kind of stuck, and you're having to hope that some of your rookie you, your rookie picks um, are hitting. So, for me, it's I'm I'm definitely closer to the all in tier. I wouldn't say that I'm like fully. In that way, when I'm going in my my win, try, you know, trying to win out of my startups, I'm trying to be as young as possible without, you know, fully committing to, like, punt players, if that makes any sense. I'm constantly looking for whoever's going to score the most points at whatever age you know, at the youngest age possible. So I probably end up with a lot of guys like T Y Hilton and Alshon Jeffrey and things like that. But I'm also digging in and trying to find, you know, the 23 to 24 year olds that are going to be putting up numbers the same way. I would expect 34 year old wide receivers that you're maybe getting in the 12th or 13th round. Um, and, and obviously those guys are going to be coming off much earlier. You know, you like your Chris Godwins and, and guys like that. So It's it's important to be balanced, but I think if you are going to go one way or the other, you have to commit pretty significantly uh, and you have to be willing to if you're going all in, you have to be willing to all of a sudden in year between like year three and five of your league, unless you do a lot of maneuvering, you have to be ready to all of a sudden become kind of a punt squad after a little bit. And if you're punting right away, you you have to be ready to not win for a while unless you happen to get really lucky on a lot of your picks and, and a lot of your rookie spots.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously most people know my take for the, for the most part, I am punting in year one, especially in the early rounds rounds one to 10. I'm basically building the future of my dynasty team. I'm, I'm getting all the young guys, the young wide receivers, young quarterbacks, tight ends, maybe the occasional running back in rounds one to 10. And I, in the later rounds, around 11 to 24, is where I might uh, differ a little bit from that. Where I'll, you know, take the swings at the veterans, the, the Larry Fitzgeralds, you know, the Vincent Jacksons when he was still playing. You know, the, basically, when I'm looking at veteran players that have fallen into that range where people are like, oh, their career is over or they're not expecting much. And then they end up being, you know, wide receiver twos or running back twos. And one of two things happens either that can either that turns a punting squad into, you know, a low end playoff team, which, you know, a part of the game is just get to the playoffs and who knows what happens. But then the other scenario is if you do that, if you build your rounds 10 through 24 with veterans and guys that are win now assets, then if you don't end up competing for a playoff spot, then those are tradable assets at the deadline and you can trade those for for picks to bolster your, your youth and bolster your uh, future.
2: I think that's the right way to punt if you're if you're gonna punt. Um and I think we can we can round table this question. But, you know, there's obviously one pick isn't going to win you a league or, or win you a draft. But, Sam, is there a section of the draft? I know you talked about kind of g- gathering as many top 100 picks as you possibly can. But do you think there's a section of the draft that is most important like that you have to be hitting? Obviously, the top end you would assume you, you're going to want to hit on like your, your top three picks or things like that. But where do you think you're winning drafts the most?
3: Um, I, for me, because I tend to wait on wide receiver, uh, I have to hit really probably in rounds like four through seven, four through eight. Um, just because I am assuming, or maybe not assuming, but I'm, I'm hoping that I can get wide receiver two numbers from guys around there. So for instance, last year, like Robert Woods, I kind of was picking Robert Woods everywhere. Um, and he, he ended up hitting, uh, and i ultimately won several leagues and i think that's those those kind of upper middle rounds is where i think i for me personally need to hit because i'm taking running backs generally pretty early and i'm waiting on wide receiver.
2: I think I think that's actually true both directions. I think that that four or five to eight let's say those rounds are very very important unless you're starting off balanced if you're starting off like wide receiver running back wide receiver running back and then you can just kind of go from there but if you're starting off heavy either side whether it's wide receiver or running back you need those middle round you know whatever you didn't draft you need those middle round guys to absolutely smash it otherwise you have half of a lineup because you started off heavy in one direction and now you're you're kind of empty on the other side nathan where do you feel about or what do you feel about that
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like basically you're looking for, especially when you're drafting for youth, you're looking for the breakout guys in rounds like six to ten, and so you're kind of just taking home run swings. And not everyone has to be a swing and a miss versus home run, but when you're when you hit the home run with the seventh round pick on a wide receiver or you know a young tight end, that's where you win startups. That's where you make your team better for the next four or five years. So um, I'm certainly you know taking those big swings in in that you know range four to ten, five to ten, however you may look at it. Um, but you have to take upside swings there, especially if you're going the more of the, um, uh, uh, punt route, cause the punt route is a very high upside, low four strategy.
2: For sure. For sure. All right. Um, so moving on from that, um, and thankfully we have Sam here who loves trading back. It sounds like, um, trading in startups, it can be a little bit chaotic. It can be kind of confusing even just thinking about all the numbers and where each pick falls and you know, the, the drops and everything. So Sam, we know that you like to trade back.
3: How do you approach
2: trading in startups?
3: Um, so I guess, I mean, generally it's going to start with the first round pick. Uh, I always try and get, I mean, if I can get a second, their second and third round pick, then great. Uh, that's kind of where I always start but if they feel like that's not necessarily too much but too risky then I uh try and get the second fourth and say like 10th round pick and that allows me to get an extra pick within inside of the top 50. So yeah it like I said it's initially starting I, I want to get as many inside of the top 50 and then even and then I'm open to even trading one or both of those second round picks if I get them to get more let's say in the third fourth fifth rounds as well so gaining like I said gaining that extra two or three picks inside of the top 50 top 100 and that allows me because I, I get it like you want those elite players but then if you're getting those um, those picks, like in those crucial rounds that you need to hit, you have a lot higher chance of hitting because you have the numbers there. Now, are you,
2: are you trying to make these moves right off the bat? You know, like as the draft is just getting started, or are you waiting until these picks are on the clock?
0: Uh,
3: I, I always try and move right off the bat. Cause that's going to be my general strategy is moving back. Um, and I've never made, uh, tried to hide that fact. Um, Sometimes it ends up being that you wait until you're on the clock, but yeah, I, I, I think at this point, most of us know who is going to exist around the, those picks, especially those earlier picks. So it's not like this, oh, I'm going to wait and see if the got my guy drops to me kind of thing. We do know that you, you're going to get one of like the top five running backs. You're going to get one of the top three wide, wide receivers or whatever in those first eight picks or even first six picks. So for me, it's just, I'm willing to trade back right away. So you're, you're moving on pure equity
2: rather than having a player in mind. Correct. Yeah. I like, I like that. I think that's smart because once, once you get attached to somebody, it it becomes a poor decision. You you start making bad decisions to get up or to move back to get a certain player, whatever it happens to be. So I, I do like that. Nathan, what about you?
1: This isn't necessarily a strategy, more of just something that ends up happening for me when I'm doing a, a snake startup. And I, I try and get all of my middle round picks around each other. So I'll, tr- let's let, for example, I'll, I'll take my fourth and fifth round pick and try to move those back into the sixth. And then when I, by doing that, I'm moving my seventh and eighth round picks up into the sixth. And by doing that, I end up getting like four or five picks between like the sixth and seventh round. And then I'm being able to get a whole you know, but my favorite player is from a tier of players. So basically I have to recognize when the, the bottom is kind of falling out. It's like, okay, there's no more like superstars, no guys that I like want to lock in my roster every, every week or lock in my lineup every week. And so then I'm looking at, you know, upside players and like, okay, well rather than getting the, the upside player that's being drafted the highest, let's, you know, collect a few of the upside players that I, I like the most in this range by, by trading down into, you know, getting a bulk of picks, in one area. And like I said, it's not like, Oh, this is statistically proven to work. It's more of just, it's a preference. That's how I like to, you know, build my picks in the middle rounds.
2: I like that as well though, because no matter if you're, you know, if you're drafting with either pedal to the metal, or if you're drafting a little more defensively and, and trying to work around what other people are doing, be kind of compiling all of your picks into, into a smaller area You can block runs or you can start runs. You can force a panic on the back end. You can stop big runs from happening. So I think something like that is actually really smart to do as well because you can really manipulate what the rest of the draft is doing around you just with a few picks.
3: Uh, Always trade back. That's it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Well,
3: I tried – I tried trade. – I've done a couple trading up this – So this is actually a a funny story. So I I joined Trade Addict 6 this year, and we're in the middle of a startup. And I uh, traded – I tried trading up for, like, the first time ever, traded back into the first to get Nick Chubb so I could pair him with Alvin Kamara and – I think this was probably one or two hours before the news of Kareem Hunt dropped. And it was like the most disheartening thing ever. So I'm never trading up again, never doing it. <laughs> and we
2: did, we did talk a lot about trading back here, um, which is a, is a really, really strong strategy. Um, but for those of you wondering about how to trade up, I think, I think it's important to identify when players are starting to slide. Uh, maybe players that you're specifically targeting, kind of seeing where that that kind of fluff zone where they might land um, and trying to move up into an area rather than to a specific pick. Getting too aggressive and moving up to a specific pick is usually going to result in you having to overpay for it. Getting into a certain zone maybe where the draft hasn't reached yet is is a little bit easier to get into because the pressure isn't on that owner to, to do anything with it at that moment. So just like how Sam's trying to move back, before the picks get there, you know, as fast as possible, you can move up into spots if there's a certain area that you want to get into um, if you are trying to move in for somebody. So I think it's it's better to get in before the draft gets to that pick uh, than it is, you know, it, than it is to wait until it gets there.
1: And I'll actually want to add one thing onto that for those that are trying to trade up. I feel like people who try to trade back are kind of eager and they're excited and they're, they're sending out offers to lots of people. If you can find the one guy who's eager to trade back, some guys just say, okay, I'm trading back to trade back and they don't realize they're not getting enough value on it. So that's when you take advantage of that and you become the guy that's trading up and you, so basically find the guy who's eager to trade back. Cause oftentimes he'll, he won't value his picks correctly.
2: Just, just get Sam in your draft and you can trade up no problem every single time. It'll probably, <laughs> you probably have to pay for it, but you'll be able to trade up nonetheless.
3: Listen, I am the SFBA champion. I know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> are, 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 the, is, 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 are there trading in the SFB uh, drafts? I, I forgot about no, that.
3: No, you know what? Shush. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would, that'd make that league absolute chaos and probably awesome. a lot of collusion. Um, okay, so we're through trading. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about need-based drafting. Nathan, how do you feel about drafting for need?
1: I think part of it uh, is impact on when you're doing your startup, but I've said this on many podcasts that there's no such thing as a need in February. And I I know this isn't groundbreaking news to anybody, but you know, you can, you don't have to have an RB two in February. You don't have to have a QB one in February. So I don't draft for need whatsoever. I I draft for value. I draft the guys I like and whether it's getting, you know, my first 12 picks as wide receivers or, you know, not drafting a quarterback, whatever it may be. I'm not focused on you know my starting lineup in February. Now, if it's a startup that happens in August, I'm like, okay well, there's not much time to go find a quarterback and I might you know draft a quarterback a little earlier than I, I would before. But for the most part, there's no such thing as a need in a startup because there's just so much time to go.
2: right. if if you have 10 starters or however many starters you have in your league and your first, however many number that picks, however many numbers of spots you have to start, if you're first that many picks, are filled with starter spots, you're not starting up correctly. You 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 need to not necessarily always be taking like best player available because sometimes that can that can backfire a little bit as well. But if your if your goal is to fill your starting lineup, you know, without making any out you know, exterior picks, that's not the right way to do it. Now, if you have a list set up and it just so happens that every single time it gets to you, your top player available is someone that fits into your lineup great congratulations your first 10 picks fill your lineup and now you can draft however the hell you want but if you are going out of your way to make sure that you get a quarterback because 10 just went consecutively in the 13th round um it's don't 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 do that
3: unless it's super flex
2: well yeah but that's that's a different animal <laughs> if, it's, if it's super flex and and a, and a big quarterback runs a uh, big quarterback run happens you better get your little sorry took us in there and find yourself a quarterback.
3: Yep. So, yeah, I I think I agree generally. Um, I I think this is a point where we can talk about you need to be able to adjust to what's going on in the draft. Um, So if a guy falls a lot farther than you anticipated, then you better be picking the guy that has the value, whether you have, let's just say you have four running backs already and, for some reason, somebody like Chris Carson falls a lot like around later or even two than you would think. You better be picking that, like the guy that you value a lot higher there than say the guys that would normally go in that round. So I think it's just a game of adjustments when it comes to startup drafts. Yeah, you can have a general strategy, but guys who stick to those strategies like or or are very stiff about those strategies generally aren't going to win
2: yeah i mean setting up setting up a like a must-have for your first four rounds like you want to leave with three wide receivers and a running back or you want to leave with two and two or whatever it happens to be i think i think early on it's a little bit easier to do it but once you get into those middle you know those more mid-tier picks like we talked about earlier where we all kind of thought those those middling picks were where you start to win your draft that's where you really need to be adjusting like sam said with what's happening around you you need to zig while others zag if a big run happens there's value to be had if, if eight straight players at one position go off the board well that means somebody slid through there because go look at any adp ranking list whatever you want to look at there's no spot in any of those lists where like a ton of players all from the same position are ranked there's always somebody sliding down the board there's always value to be had and free value at that point um, and now maybe they slid because all 11 or 13 or 15 other teams in your league don't like that one person. Well, now you can probably just – now you have a guy that you like that you thought was going to go way earlier, like Sam said. It's, it's easy value, honestly, because if if they're sliding and you can pick them up, at some point they're going to start scoring points, assuming that it's a player worth having. They're going to start scoring points, and now you have, again – free money it's just you know like ty hilton last year aj green or any of these older guys that people just slide. oh he's never gonna be the same he's never gonna do this do that if if you can get those types of players that are sliding down the boards who are maybe third round picks and now you can get them in the fifth or maybe seventh round picks and now you're getting them in the 11th or something crazy like that which it happens all the time those are your big big things where you need to keep your eyes on it
1: yeah and actually that that goes well into our next topic and that's value versus personal evaluation. Basically when you're looking at a startup board how how much does a guy falling based on ADP impact your trades? I mean impact your selection and impact future trades. And for me I'll, I'll start us off with this. I I do, you know, keep an eye on guys that are are sliding based on ADP and I will, you know, take the chance of oh well this guy has a fourth round ADP and I picked him at 602. I mean, he's available 602, so I'm, I'm going to pick him. And occasionally that'll backfire, and I'll end up getting a guy that I don't particularly want to target. But I, I think more often than not, you know, assets are so tradable in Dynasty that, you know, someone's going to eventually find a way to, you know, value that the guy who's being drafted in Dynasty at, in the fourth round as a fourth-round asset. So it, it doesn't exactly always work, you know, pick for pick there. But for me, if a guy has slid a, a round or two based on ADP, I think that you're going to be able to, you know, create some value by by selecting the guy that, that falls a little bit, even if you don't like him.
2: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, everybody, everybody has value at some point. There's, there's very few, if almost no, no players that people just don't want, but have a decent ADP. The only, the only player that would come to mind in that category would be like Gronk who has forever had a really high ADP, but you either can't get the price for him or, you know, it's it, it's it's one way or the other, and now he's probably still on that same list where just nobody wants to take him because everyone assumes he's retiring or he assumes he's not going to play anymore. Um, you know, those those types of guys, which are very very few. Like I said, Gronk's really, only one that really comes to the top of my mind. Um, those players don't really exist. So, well, just because he fell two rounds, no, that means nobody else wants him. Well. No, people want him. They're just drafting different ways. They're filling up their roster in different 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 ways because they're not listening to the show and realizing they should be taking best player available.
1: Or and obviously obviously when picks move in a startup, you know, if I traded my fourth and fifth round picks and I, you know, and combining those sixth and seventh round picks, then a, a guy with fourth round ADP might have fallen just because I didn't have a pick to, to make there and someone else was picking, and maybe I still like him at that fourth round ADP. Sam.
3: Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Um Yeah, I, I I think you just have to consider that like value is value here. So like there are guys I don't particularly like, Brandon Cooks. Never been a Julio Jones fan, um, but in the under the right circumstances, I'm more than willing to take them because like uh, Nathan said, or I, I think both of you said. Both, everybody has different values on those players. So you, regardless of if you like them or not, they, if they drop a round or two guaranteed, they can probably, you can get at least equal, if not better value later on in the season. And that's another part of this too, is that if you're doing that, if you're doing startups this early, things can change over the next several months that will change these values. Um, and you could definitely capitalize on a, a guy dropping in startup drafts. Um, like, let's say in two or three months when injuries start occurring and then a guy needs a wide receiver or running back, you can definitely capitalize on that need and the value that you uh, gained in that draft.
2: Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's important to, I mean, everybody has their guys. Everybody, everybody has their favorites. I think it's important to, to not reach for those guys. You know, you you can't, if it's a few picks, you know, fine. Obviously we're thinking about like ADP or whatever it happens to be in relation to where you're picking, but you, you can't be jumping like two rounds to get somebody that you absolutely have to have because you're worried about somebody else might take them. If they're, if they happen to be there, they happen to be there. You can't waste your roster value or your startup values getting into players that you really think that you have to have because, that's a really quick way to lose a draft.
1: All righty. That'll wrap up our startup conversation for today. We got to get get some get to some listener questions. But before we do that, um, uh, I, I will say, I'm a little bit disappointed in you listeners, okay? We gave you an assignment. We said if you would like to be in the Dice Cast Listener League, it's a best ball league where the uh, rookie drafts are done, automated by ADP, so it's a fun concept. And uh, the assignment was you had to do a Photoshop Involving me and something involving a wedding. Uh, I got engaged in December. So Eric and Dan decided to mess with me about that. And nobody did such photoshops. Um, So we've changed it uh, today. We are doing an official trivia first to send Dan, Eric, and I the answer contest. Some will say this is easy. Some will say it's hard. But here we go. Here is your Dynasty Trade Cast trivia. We have two games that involve Nathan Powell singing. We have Rookie or the Vet and Debbie or not. Both games involve singing. What song are the – I mean, what – yes, what song are the are the tune of those games sung to? So you have to send both songs to Dan, Eric, and I. First one, to hear this and send us the message, we will tweet it out. We'll, we'll quote tweet it and say congratulations to this person. So not everyone will be sending us this um, on whenever the day this comes out. So there you go, official assignment. Uh, Rookie of the Vet and Debbie you're not, what song are those sung to by Nathan Powell?
2: Wow, that was that was a mouthful. Um, but I will really appreciate it when at least one person submits an answer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Apparently, we made the first one uh, too hard. So Everybody
2: photoshopped the Pokemon last time, and it was amazing. (laughs) It had like 40 entrants, and some just absolutely phenomenal. I still have most of them on my phone.
1: Uh, One of them is your logo in Kadoosh. Yep.
2: Absolutely (laughs) Uh, fantastic.
1: All right. Uh, Our first listener question, and um, we're doing this solely because he he did a a trade cast essential. He said, what is a good pivot? That from Galladay in a PPR league where he is your wide receiver four and or second flex over Corey Davis and Darius Geis. So essentially, uh, Sam, you're you're trading Kenny to Galladay. Who's your target right now? Oof,
3: that's tough. I love Kenny Galladay, so nobody not doing it. (laughs) Um, I think you could probably do something like Godwin plus. Uh, I I think so. Here's my thing. I think Galladay is on the verge of being one of those top ten or a, a top ten wide receiver. Yeah, You're I saw that face. Nathan. That. <laughs> I'm seeing your face right now. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but I mean, so I think if you can get somebody like Godwin plus, Godwin's probably wide receiver too at this point um especially in an area in that Arians led offense um so if you could get like Godwin and a running back Godwin in a pick I think that's actually a decent trade for you because I for for most people you're not losing that much value going from Galladay to Godwin um and I think a lot of people, or I, I think Godwin's probably right there in terms of um, situation with Galladay.
2: I think that's a good pivot. I, I think, um, I think they're not too far away in value, like Sam said, where. Um, it's really that big of a leap. Plus, if you can get you know decent, uh, d- decent piece on top, that's that's a nice one. I think another one I'd be looking for, uh, maybe just to get a little bit younger and maybe not fall super far in in um, you know actual p- fantasy points, uh, would be DJ Moore and a little bit of fluff on top. Uh, those two are pretty close in most rankings and ADPs. But I feel like most would prefer Galladay over DJ Moore. Obviously, there's a few that would probably prefer DJ Moore over Galladay. But I think, I think if you're trying to pivot out and and you know move down just a little bit and add add some roster depth or something like that, I think that's a nice one. I think if you're looking for a, a strict one to one pivot off of Galladay, um, guys like T. Y. Hilton and A. J. Green, if you're trying to compete, I really like both of those. And, you know, if you're looking at the running back position, maybe looking to get in someone like Dalvin Cook might be a little bit too spendy, but I've seen some Dalvin Cook trades of late that have kind of, for some reason, had him valued a little bit, a little bit light. So, you know, something like that might not be uh, a horrible, a horrible thing to look for. I mean, what's the worst the owner's going to do? Say no, you know, and then you're just right back at where you started. So uh, I think those are some decent pivots from, from my perspective.
1: Yeah, for me, and he said that his team was, you know, stacked. He said Corey Davis, Darius Geis would be his other options around this lineup spot. And so I'd be pivoting up and I'd be looking for, you you did mention um, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, maybe off of the Kareem Hunt news, maybe even Kareem Hunt plus a piece. So I'd be pivoting down a little bit um, after, you know, obviously he's lost value. But yeah, basically those three young running backs is who I'd be targeting if I'm trading uh, Galladay right now, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook. Or even cream hunt if we want to get a little risky. Let's go on to our next one, and this one is from uh, Dwayne Brown, and he always makes you think. And it's, what do you think was a what did you think was a winning strategy, but turned out to be a false assumption when applied? So Dan, when have you tried a strategy you thought was foolproof and it fell right on its face?
3: Um,
2: that's uh that's a good one there, Dwayne, um, making us all think over here, which we you know we're not very good at. A stra- a oh, you speak
3: st- for yourself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a winning strategy that fell flat. I think, I think going full, full on one position, drafting really, really heavily, um, like I've seen my good friend Nathan Powell do in the past, drafting really, really heavily at one position, uh, has. Hey, I can trade these guys later for something different. You know that, that works when it works, but. I've seen it fail miserably. I've had it, I've had it, you know, fall flat on on me. So I think, I think having a little tiny bit of balance in there is important. Um, But you can still draft heavy in one way or another. Just don't go full on. Like I'm only drafting wide receivers for 16 rounds and then we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying this is one that I necessarily apply, but I I think another common one like that would be in tight end premium league, stacking the tight end position. I've seen so many rosters get absolutely destroyed by people investing four or five top 10 round picks in the tight end position. Tight end positions have so much year-to-year variance and and very little upside too. So um, I I would say that's an example of a strategy that that some people would consider like foolproof. Oh, it's tight end premium, you got to get them. Um, But then you realize how volatile the tight end position is.
2: So, Sam, before you answer, um, just a quick spinoff on tight end premium. Worthless. Uh, don't do it. And if you are going to do it, implement two tight ends. because That's the only way within a league you're actually going to add value to the tight end position. Having the same position all gain an extra half a point all it does is help the top-tier guys score more points. So now you have Travis Kelsey, Hertz, and George Kittle scoring way too many points, and then everybody else is trying to keep up and barely being startable still week to week. It doesn't change anything value-wise within the position. Starting two tight ends adds value. That's the way to do it. Continue. Yeah.
1: And, and I'll actually add on to that too. Um, and some people say, oh, well, the argument against that is like tight end 16 to 24 is usually like you know two, three points points per game well th- that is legitimately the argument the whole point in adding a tight end premium is to add value to the tight end position so if you're in a two tight end league if you're not getting you know two top 12 two top fourteen tight ends then you're basically losing one or two roster spots which makes it a valuable asset more so than the 1.5 ppr
3: i disagree with you guys okay <laughs> i well so my i guess my favorite um setting or setup is super flex tight end premium. And I think it's more leveling the tight end position against the other positions against running back and wide receiver. But I, I do get your thought that within the position, it's not really doing anything in terms of
1: value. So what are your thoughts on a strategy that you've tried or you've seen tried that fell flat?
3: So, one, and, and this might just be apply to redraft, um, but one of them was going tight end early last year with Gronkowski. The quote Sure, unquote, yeah, dra-
1: drafting a guy who doesn't score points, not a good strategy. Yeah, quote, <laughs> uh, quote
3: unquote <laughs> league winner, Rob Gronkowski. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I heard that said last offseason. Oh, Gronkowski is going to be a league winner. That didn't end up working out well for anybody. Um One that uh, I've I employed when I start first first started playing Dynasty is you getting out of that mode win now mode because um, going from redraft to Dynasty it's definitely a different game. So the first season I went into I I didn't my startup draft wasn't great but um, I traded into win now mode so getting guys like Legarrette Blunt in his 18 touchdown season. And I, I ended up getting second in the league, but then I had to rebuild ultimately because I traded away all of my assets. So I started to, I, I basically had to rebuild after the first season. So definitely be wary about trying to do the win now mode because it can definitely set you back multiple years in a, in a dynasty league.
1: All right. Next one is another smart question, but I didn't write down the name, so shout out to this smart person. Um, <laughs> how is the trade value of rookie picks computed? Is there some sort of baseline from previous years? Is it affected heavily by trade data? Is it completely separate from startup ADP? Yeah. Yes. I will start us off. Yes, it's very different from startup ADP. I don't think there's much correlation between the two, other than like okay, the you know the player being drafted at 106 is or is going to be you know valued the same as the guy that's being drafted the players are being drafted around them. But as far as the the value of rookie picks, I I think that – as a general statement it it's honestly depends on people's personal experience and how they've you know how they approach dynasty how they've done with making rookie picks or seen people making rookie picks that i mean i think that a lot of people like that have just picked a couple of busts and end up saying okay picks are worth i'm going to trade my picks every year and sometimes that works out for them but um so basically there is no calculate there's no rookie pick calculator of oh the 104 is worth this player or this spot in the adp it's Every person has their own experience. Every person has their own valuations, especially with rookie picks. They have a wide variance of valuations. So, um, Dan, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the pick itself is only worth what somebody's willing to trade for it, right? So um, when trying to figure out how I value them, I'll take my list of players, whether it's ADP, whether it's my personal rankings, and slot in where I would prefer each just, you know, bland pick in a vacuum. You know, and slot them in. That's where I can value them. Um, once we have some names to start to, you know, kind of slot in, once I have rookie rankings ready to go and where I'm wanting these guys, then you can start putting those names in those spots. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the numbers and the players correlate exactly, that just means where you're looking at, you know, thinking of getting those guys. So now, if you have a guy that you love that's in, you know, let's say top 50 or whatever happens to be. And 104 happens to be there, but this guy's going to go off the board at 111. That doesn't mean you should go get 104 so you can take your guy. You know, you have, again, this goes back to what we talked about earlier in, in kind of our startup strategy. It also relates a little bit to rookie drafts. You need to you need to just kind of be a little bit patient. If you need to trade up for your guy after someone's picked them, fine, go do that. But um, I think I think in order to correctly value them personally, you need to set those. You know, 101, 102. Go down the line, slot them in where you strictly would value them in a one-for-one trade per player, and that's how you can correctly value them on, on your own.
3: Yeah, I, I and I, I think it really depends year to year and rookie class to rookie class. Obviously, like the 2018 one point oh one is was head and shoulders higher than the 2019 one point oh one. And that's I mean, obviously because of Saquon Barkley, but the 2018 class in general was a lot stronger than the 2019 class or the perceived value of the 2018 class was a lot stronger than 2019. And even now, like, even though it's a a two years from now, the 2020 classes or maybe a year from now, but the 2020 classes like probably perceived a lot higher than the 2019 class too. So I think that also weighs on it is like, how do people in general perceive the given classes? Um, and yeah, so for me right now, like I'm I'm actually trying to trade out of 2019 into 2020 because of said value.
1: All righty, that'll wrap us up for today. Thanks for uh, talking uh dynasty startup strategy some listener questions as well thanks for those who sent in questions if we didn't get to your question feel free to just ask us again we'll probably answer on the twitters um so sam let us know where that we where we can find you and uh we very much appreciate having you on
3: yeah man i i really appreciate you guys asking me to come on this was fun um i am at ff on twitter uh I'm generally retweeting basically anything I'm tagged in. So if you guys have a poll or something, definitely tag me and I'll retweet an answer. So turn um, off
1: FF Stompies retweets. That's what I just heard.
3: <laughs> yes, do that. Um, <laughs> uh, like you guys said earlier on the pod, um, just became the new host of the Superflex Super Show for DLF. Uh, started my own, our own podcast with Aton Mosia. He's at F underscore wonder kid. And that is called the dynasty diagnostic where we uh, basically judge your dynasty rosters. And I do love judging people. So send us your rosters um, and you can follow the podcast at dino diagnostic. And then finally uh, just joined FF statistics a few months ago, full-time, um, and we're doing so, a lot of exciting stuff there. So be looking out for some uh, changes to the website, m- among other things.
2: I love it. Plus, once again, folks, this is your 2018-2019 yep. SFB8 champion.
3: Universal champion. Universal <laughs> champion.
2: I went with world champion, but you can go universal. That's fine. Hey, man, I mean, I,
3: if if an alien comes down and competes with me <laughs> for fantasy football prowess, fine. But until then, I rule the universe when it comes to fantasy football.
2: Until next year. Just like yep. oh, I had to learn the hard way and then miss the playoffs. So, yep.
3: Gotta love it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, you heard Nathan earlier in the show. Make sure you submit those two answers to me, to Eric, to Nathan. Um, tweet at us. DM us. However you feel like you need to do it. Those two songs. We need to know. We need to know the originals. What were those songs? What, what did Nathan sing them to? And um, make sure you stop in uh, and give us uh, some nice reviews. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple of five-star five star reviews. We, we don't hate those. We actually love those. We love you for doing that for us. So for Nathan, for Sam, for myself, we will see you guys next week.
1: Nathan? Kadoosh. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's Season Pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 Season Pass now at CAGreatAmerica.com.